Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode of Pod Class. I am your host, Jason West. You can find me at, at TeachMeMrWest on the holy trinity of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, Twitter. Today's episode features a friend of mine, Jenna Gonzalez. I was actually going to call her an Instagram friend or a teacher friend, but I think I can officially promote her to the title of actual friend now, so yeah, congrats, Jenna. You've officially made it in life. Jenna is an elementary school teacher and a reality TV Well, I don't think enthusiast is quite a strong enough word. She's also a fellow podcaster, so if you're not following her on Instagram at the Teacher's Lounge Pod or listening to her podcast, The Teacher's Lounge with Mrs. G, you are missing out, my friend. We covered a lot of ground in this interview, how Jenna got started in education, why she claims she's the original Target teacher, and of course, why she feels Trader Joe's employees just need to settle the F down. It was a real blast having her. Uh, A few quick points of business before we get started. If this episode doesn't seem like a first episode of a podcast, well, you are correct. It actually was not well spotted. I had another very special guest for my first episode, but I'm new at this and something went terribly wrong with the audio. And unfortunately, I had to scrap the whole thing. So once again, I just want to extend my sincerest apologies to former President Barack Obama. Really hoping I can get you back on the show soon. And of course, please give my best to Michelle. Uh, Also, these episodes normally run about an hour, but I had so much fun with Jenna that we ended up running a little overtime this time. Uh, Not exactly ideal for our first episode, but I imagine you, like most people who listen to podcasts in 2018, are probably just going to listen to the show at 1.5 speed anyway, so you probably won't even notice. Okay, I think that's it. Thank you so much for joining me on this ride. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe to the show. I promise it will be the best $0 you'll ever spend. All right, let's get the show started. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Nameless Papers. Nameless Papers, making up 40% of student work since the dawn of education. like what you have a podcast like I didn't how come I didn't know about it and my husband immediately was like because it's for teachers and he wouldn't like it and I was like well or it's just for friends and he would like it yeah or it's for everybody yeah it's not gonna be for everyone if you say I mean, he did not have a podcast like he didn't know how to internet <laughs> yeah well that's true <laughs> that's really funny though well so speaking of podcasts that are for everyone welcome thanks for coming yes. on I appreciate of you giving up part of your summer just to chat with me Oh, boy. Well, if you knew what you were interrupting, which was a whole lot of nothing, then you would take back that thing. Well, I've been watching a lot of your Instagram feed, and it seems like there is a lot (laughs) of quality TV watching. So I feel terrible. Yes. Well, we'll talk. We'll chat about it later. Perfect. Perfect. So uh, tell, tell the audience a bit about yourself. And I know that's like the worst opening question of all time, but hey, I am still new at this. So I'm sorry. Is this a job interview? This is a job interview. <laughs> I think I misread the email. <laughs> I think I misread the email. Tell me why it's you think you should be on this podcast. So, um, yeah. So, oh my god. Let's start. Let's start way back from the beginning, though. 
you uh, have been a teacher for how many, okay. for how many years have you been teaching? So I just finished my eighth year. Wow. You went through an entire is, two presidential terms. I did. Actually, yeah, I did. And I um, kind of can't believe that it's been eight years. But also, it makes me remember that I started teaching when I was like 21, yeah. turning 22. And I think back at that and I would, I just laugh like, what was I doing? Who, what, who hired a baby to teach middle <laughs> school? What made that seem like a good idea? Like, I just think about how, like, how young and stupid I was that I was like, oh, I had no business <laughs> my, like running a classroom of 12 year olds. My first job, um, I was asked to teach. Um, I was still in college at the time. And I okay. was working in an after-school mentoring program, and the principal saw me interacting mm -hmm. with the kids, and he goes, hey, uh, have you ever subbed before? And I did what most successful people in the world do, which is um, I just lied. And I was like, sure have. Yep. Sure have. <laughs> and he goes, do you think you could... Uh, Love yeah, it. He's like, you think you could uh, sub for us a couple times for uh, science? And I thought to myself, I'm in college. I'm in bio 102. Sure can. Sure can. <laughs> and I walked in. How hard could How it hard be? And I taught it for a few days. And the principal goes, so listen, the teacher's not coming back. Would you be interested in teaching the rest of the school what? year? And it was like not even two months into the school year. And I did what any oh incredibly my God. young and dumb person would say. And I said, sure can. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, my Got God. Got nothing else going on. Yeah, but then I realized, oh, my God, I am like seven years older than my middle school students. Yeah. And they put me in charge. And they know that. And they left me alone in the room. <laughs> yeah. And and I mean, and this is, you know, I, I look young for my age now, but I mean, I really looked young in college. It was. Oh, no, you put up a picture of like you and your wife being married. And I was like, well, who is that child bride and, his, and her child groom? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the two of us was like the joke was that we were, uh, you know, barely potty trained when we met. And that here we are. So yeah, you just had the afterbirth <laughs> cleaned off of you and they threw you into a classroom basically. <laughs> yes. and, and you're like, oh, I'm in charge. I, I, I know a few things. And so you started teaching. Uh, what grade sure. were you teaching? Fifth? I started teaching. Sixth? Sixth. It was a self-contained sixth grade class. And they were known for being just like the hardest class that had gone through the district. They were just like known. They, they were all known entities. And oh. I still didn't really understand why I was chosen to guide them. I think you actually answered, like, oh, you answered your own question. They're like, what experienced person would take this job? Oh, nobody? Nobody has <laughs> their hands true. up? Okay. How about this young, dumb person? <laughs> Come on in. You've got spunk. That's so true. That is true. They probably just saw my like sweet, innocent, dumb smile. And they were like, she'll be dumb enough to move here because it really is in the middle of nowhere. I mean, if you like Google Gonzales, California, it's just like a vast landscape of farm. <laughs> I was like, and then like a town. I was like, how many times did you put on your resume that you saw dangerous minds that might have a reason? Uh, it might be why they hired Wait, you. Wait, what? I said, oh. well, maybe on your... <laughs> Uh, for a second, I was like, no, that was me being dumb for, cause for a second I was like, dangerous minds isn't about, uh, isn't about the farms. <laughs> yeah. That, that was that I know of. not a solid segue into that <laughs> reference, I guess. Uh, 
So you you teach you're teaching sixth grade multiple subjects. It's the last age group where you teach multiple subjects, and it's a really fun age it because is. they come in and they are they're still mm-hmm. like little kids. You know what I mean at the beginning, but by the middle to end of the year, they start inhabiting these middle school bodies, and they start having drama. Uh, yes. Oh yeah. Oh, well, see, the class, well, funny that you mentioned that because the class that I got that first year, they were dealing weed out of their desks without me realizing it. Holy shit. For, in like the first couple months of school. Wow. And it was And it was, it was, and it was like, farm country, so they were actually growing it themselves. I mean, I don't know where they were getting it or what. How and else could they have gotten- The secretary, I don't know, the secretary said she was like, Oh, that's not even anything. She was like, I put that in my wine. Like she was like the, what, I guess it was just like the trimmings or something. And they just thought they were, you know, somebody with their little like Ziploc bag of trimmings in their, in their desk. Listen, I don't know. All I know is that like they searched all these boys' desk and they all had like this weed in their desk. And I was like, Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that was there. God. And they were like, Jenna, you can't let them go to the bathroom with their backpacks. And I was like, well, I did think it was weird. (laughs) I was like, but I don't know. They always came back like like, super relaxed though. (laughs) So that was, yeah, that was a big learning curve that year. You told your principal, you were like, okay, I'm going to make a deal with you. I will not send my students to the bathroom with their backpacks, except for the kids that I have right after lunch because they need to chill out. (laughs) Yeah, they, oh my God. They weren't even really that, like looking back on it, they weren't that bad. I was just inexperienced and didn't, I hadn't really found my way. If I had that same class now, it would be no big deal. But I just like, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I was very far away from my parents or anyone that I knew. Where was this? Is this in Florida? No, this is Gonzalez. I've never lived in Florida. My parents just picked up and moved there. I grew up in Riverside for a really long time. Oh, and then in the middle of middle school, we moved to Michigan. And then my so, parents were like, ooh, it sucks here. We're going back. <laughs> so then in the so, middle of high school, in the middle of high school, they moved us to Northern California near Folsom, kind of near Sacramento. So where was the school you were teaching? So the school I was teaching at was in Gonzales, which is... It, you basically would like, if you're driving from Northern California to Southern California, you have to pass through it. Oh. It's just, it's in Monterey County. It's just, it's in the middle of nowhere, kind of like a half an hour away from Salinas. Mm. Um, okay. Just the middle of nowhere. Like now that you say like, yeah, they couldn't find anyone to teach there. It was like, that's probably why they couldn't find anyone to teach there. <laughs> and I was so desperate for a job because it was 2010. And I graduated the credential program and even my teachers in the credential program were like, you're not going to get a job. There are no jobs. Like schools were closing all over the place. And they said like, it's okay if you don't get a job. And I was like, go, I'm getting the (laughs) F out of here. Yeah, right. I was like, I will, I applied anywhere. I applied anywhere and everywhere. And I got one interview and it was in Gonzales, California. And and I took it. They were like, we were split. It was going to be between hiring you or this tumbleweed that stumbled through our office. <laughs> Essentially, <guess>. yes. That <laughs> is exactly what happened. You were the one with a credential, so we went with you. And that's really it. It's um, very accurate. So how many years were you at this school? Only two. 
I only lasted for two years. I got my bits done. And it was, it was, there was a lot of internal drama at that school. It was a school that was very divided. So the fifth and sixth grade teachers basically worked at a different school than the seventh and eighth grade teachers. Just the way that the school was structured, it just, um, there was a lot of the seventh and eighth grade teachers didn't like the principal and they were like filing grievances against him with the union, like trying to get him fired. And anybody who even like talked to the principal was like an enemy of theirs. It was all very like, it was a lot of like politics and drama that I mm. was not prepared for. Like they don't tell you that in credential program. No, they don't they tell do you not. that you basically have to like find, you have to like, figure out in your first couple of weeks who's mad at who and who's the one to talk to for this and that and the other. It's like high school all over again. Yeah, there should be a class um, where they make prospective teachers watch Mean Girls and then talk about basically. They say, okay, you know, what do you notice about this? And they'll talk about like, <laughs> yeah, man, students are really hard on each other. And then you say, actually, it's a parable for being a teacher. <laughs> yes, it, it is. All it is. Teachers just are that like, is all have, it is. they have burn books, they have clicks. They, they do. They try I to mean, make fetch a thing. A text chain. <laughs> they try to make a lot of things a thing. But <laughs> I swear like that burn book is just a text. It's just a text chain, like a group text a bunch, with, a, with a click of teachers where they just like are just mean to each other like during staff meetings Man. on a group text. Okay, so you were there, you got your bits done, and you were like, I am leaving a Roadrunner-like smoke trail behind me. Not just because you wanted to get Correct. out of there quickly, but because you were just like in a barren desert of nothing. And so you just, everything you did left a smoke trail behind you. It's and true. You went, I also was following a boy. So obviously uh -huh. I was like, oh, well, this guy is in the Bay Area. So I was like, well, I guess I'll move to the Bay Area. Hopping so from one Gonzalez to the to next. No, basically. Um, <laughs> well, this time, though, the funny thing was about my next job is that I didn't know where Mill Valley was. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know where it was. I didn't know it was the thing that it was. I just oh, knew no, I was referring to that I had mm. one good. Oh, yeah. Next. Well, but, but maybe the true. school was more like a, like a Gonzalez school. So let's get into no, that. No, it wasn't at all. That was the thing is that I didn't know. I just agreed to the, I just agreed to the interview again without knowing anything about it. It was mm -hmm. like deja vu. I was just like, what? They want an interview? Okay. And I showed up there and I was like, oh my God, what is this magical place? Like, <laughs> there was like, all the schools were clean and they had all this technology and there was like You basically landed in Oz and, and everything. trees. It did. I was like, do schools really operate like this? And it turns out, no, they don't. It was like this unicorn of a school district that I somehow, somehow ended up working in. And so that's the one I've been at for the last six years. Nice. And so teaching you, all sorts of things. You moved from sixth grade to first grade or fifth, second grade? Mm -mm, to fifth grade. Teaching fifth grade in that district at that school was so much pressure. It was like, there was testing and then they had all these like pullout classes that they would go to that were a nightmare to schedule. And they had a play at the end of the year and they go on a week long trip to science camp. And the parents are like freaking out because it's the last year of elementary school and they mm -hmm. start like getting all weird about going to middle school. And it just was so much pressure that I was like, 
I would like to go down to the primary grades where there's 20 kids and the parents are a little less uh, like hyped up about a lot of things. And I just thought it would be like Getting a their different kids prepared pace. For the next level. And it yeah, turns it out, just, it felt no, like it was first different... grade parents are just as crazy, <laughs> only for less important I... things like birthday cake parties and oh my, my god, kid <laughs> didn't get invited to whatever. I know it's it, every grade has its has its things, but I was a little happier in primary. I think it's it probably suited me a little bit more at that at that point. Mm-hmm. Um. I just, I guess I thought that I was going to teach upper grades. I don't know. I guess I thought I was going to teach upper grades forever. And I thought that's what I was good at. But then I'm like, well, I'm also good at teaching younger grades. And when they take that testing pressure out, it's so much easier to like be a teacher when you don't have like this huge test looming at you at the end of May. Mm -hmm. And and do you feel like you're meant to be in these lower grade levels now? Like that's where you're placing? I don't know. I don't, I just, I don't know. I think I'm fine either way. I think I'm one of those people that's like, eh, whatever grade. Like every grade's gonna have things that I don't like about it and things that mm-hmm. I do like about it. You just like like I really miss fifth grade history, but mm. I really like teaching first graders how to read. So it's I kinda there's things about both and I don't think that I'm one of those teachers that is like, I will die in kindergarten or I will die in this grade, like I will never leave this grade. Because there are teachers that are like that that just live their whole career in one grade and are very like mad if you try to suggest that they do anything different. So I like to change it up once in a while. Did your husband notice a difference when you, when you came home from being a fifth grade teacher versus being a first grade teacher? Cause I've heard many times I don't know. people say like, Oh, I go home and it takes me a good hour to not, I'll, I'll like, I'll say something to my husband and they'll say, mm, I'm not a kindergartner. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I don't know. We weren't. I'm trying to think. We were not together when I switched from fifth to first grade. So I don't know if he would have. I don't. He would not know if he noticed a difference because by the time we got back together, I was like solidly in first grade. But I don't think I talked to him like a first grader. You would have to ask him. Yeah. Now you got to go home and ask. Be like, hey, I meant to ask you. Yeah, right. (laughs) After dinner, do I make you do the cleanup song? (laughs) <laughs> hey you know when i put that mission impossible song on and tell you to clean the living room before the song is over is that weird to you does that make you uncomfortable you know when i need to talk to you as a wife but i make you sit on the carpet <laughs> is that normal or do you feel like that's weird um so when at what age did you know like because i know you were you taught at a young age or you started teaching at a young age sure. at what point did you know like oh like this is gonna happen This is what I want to do. Well, I was a weird kid. And so in first grade, I did not care to go to recess. I wanted to stay in and grade the spelling tests for my first grade teacher, Miss Steinhardt, who I'm pretty sure is probably still at Sunny Meadows Elementary School in Moreno Valley. Um, Shout out. But she was like, she was like, uh, yeah, okay, you can grade the spelling tests. <laughs> I don't, and like looking back on it, I would never let my students, there are like a couple <laughs> students that I probably would let grade the spelling test. But the best thing about it is she had this this stamp that was a stegosaurus. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the whole world. I was like, there's a stamp and it's a stegosaurus and I get to stamp the spelling test with the stegosaurus stamp. 
And then I was like, I'd like to be a teacher. <laughs> meanwhile, no she was like, meanwhile, she was like, yeah, I had to buy that with my own money <laughs> and <laughs> get refill ink. And then I also have kids complain that they don't like that particular dinosaur. <laughs> Teaching is great. I know. I don't even know if I... I don't even know if I even told anyone, but that was really, that was really in my mind. I was like, well, this is all that there is to life is just grading spelling <laughs> tests and stamping them with stegosaurus it, yeah. stickers. And now and here you then, are grading spelling tests. When I, yeah, like, when what? I showed up in my sixth grade class, I showed up and the teacher before me had left all these stamps and there was a stegosaurus stamp in there and it was wearing sunglasses and it said something like buen trabajo or something like in Spanish. And I was like, <laughs> it's meant to be. I was like, Sold. this is it. I was like, this is the universe telling me that I'm Sold doing what I'm own. supposed to do. Yeah. Right, you have your own, you have your own Spanish stegosaurus. <laughs> I do. He has sunglasses on. He's so cool. And I would use it all the time. And my sixth graders were like, Cool. Miss Scott, why do you use this? And I was like, <laughs> this is the universe, you guys. You don't question the like, universe. You no, know you love it. This is going to inspire you to be a teacher. Stop it. <laughs> Stop pretending. Stop fighting. Stop fighting the universe, kids. <laughs> exactly. So were you a good student as a kid? I mean, I know you were kind oh of the weird God. one that stayed yeah. inside at lunch. No, but I were was you weird. a good student all throughout? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was terrified of my mom terrified not in like a bad way where like I was like scared for my safety or anything but like I did not want to be in trouble I did not want to make her mad I think it was more like I think I really was a weird kid too in the sense of like I didn't want to disappoint my parents <laughs> like it, I wasn't scared that they'd get mad I'd be scared that they would be disappointed in me so I just always I followed all the rules and I did all my homework and I just was all, and I just was always kind of, I don't know. I just always kind of did what I had to do. What do your parents do for a living? My mom is a preschool teacher and my dad uh, was a regional manager for Target. Nice. So, and so I really little, feel like uh, I was an original business. adopter of Yes, I was an original adopter of like Target when none of these other bitches were going to Target. <laughs> I was at the Target. I was in the Target dollar spot. And my dad, I remember my dad telling me like, oh, well, because I was like going in the Target dollar spot like this is the best. Like all this stuff is a dollar. And my dad's like, oh, yeah, well, he's all buy it while you can because it's not going to be there for very much longer. And I was like, what? Yeah. why? And I guess like some higher up people in Target didn't think that the Target dollar spot was like a good idea. They didn't think it was a good business venture. They didn't think it was going to make money. They thought it made them look like cheesy or something. And they were thinking about getting rid of it. So it cracked now me up. And now those people have been fired. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Because now I'm like, I hope those people feel so stupid because that's like the core of Target is that dollar section, which is not so, a dollar section anymore. But So you really are the product, like if the hashtag Target teachers became a person that yeah. would be you you're like i am 50 percent teacher 50 percent target and if you do the punnett square <laughs> i am capital t <laughs> lowercase t target yes. teacher i am yes and uh someone please tell michelle and hadar that that i think that's their names but please someone please like someone reach out and let them know that that's me <laughs> yeah we need some corporate sponsorship so <laughs> we throw a few target dollar <laughs> items <laughs> Jenna's way. That'd be great. <laughs> oh. So now you are 
making the big move from California to Florida. And I know you've talked sure. a bit about this on your own podcast and on Instagram. Um, but what are some differences that you are already seeing, not just obviously in the transition of getting your credential, which you can, of course, talk about that as well. But are you noticing any uh, from basically from your interviews and from sure. touring the tours of schools that you have done so far, do you see any cultural differences? Because you have a an extremely liberal uh, <laughs> upstate California exposure and now you're going mm-hmm. to um, you know what's known as sort of a swing state where it's kind of the hotbed of a lot of issues and mm-hmm. there's a big swing of uh, affluence and poverty. Uh, are you noticing sure. anything in that transition that you're sort of gearing up for in the move? Yeah, I guess one of the main that things was a really big question, wasn't it? I'm no, sorry. it's fine. <laughs> I'm I'm prepared for it. Um, I think the big you thing... meet the press all the time. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got really serious. Um, I think a big one would be there are just a lot of rules at the, at all the schools I went to. There were a lot of rules, and that's just like not Mill Valley. Just like does not have a lot of rules. It has some rules, but not a lot. And so I think that was kind of shocking where I was just like, oh, the kids have to walk in a line and the kids have to like be here at a certain time. And like, oh, if they do something wrong, like they get a consequence. Okay. That's fine. I'm like, (laughs) okay, that's new for me. I mean, it's not new, but it's, I'm not, I have not seen that in, in a while. And then they, there's just kind of a, I know that there's a big testing push over there where, where I am in California. It's like, whatever, the kids will pass the test because, you know, they just will. They're, they've got families that are teaching them to read super early and pushing them really hard. And we have really good teachers and they're like, they've always been fine. There's never really been a lot of worry about them passing the test up in Mill Valley. But then in Florida, one of the schools that I talked to that I asked why there were openings in first grade and she was like, oh, I let them go because their numbers weren't high enough. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) She was like, yeah, they, you know, and I was like, in first grade, I was like, they test, I was like, there's testing in first grade? And she was like, oh, yes. And that was kind Hmm. of, I was like, ugh. I ended up not taking that one, and that was one of the big reasons why. Also because that school didn't have recess, which I was like, excuse me? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was like, recess, recess is also my break. (laughs) I don't understand, like, So there's just like a lot of, I guess, especially in the area that I've been looking at to teach kind of in the city, they're just lower performing schools. So there is a bigger push to get the kids to pass standardized tests. So I'll kind of have to learn to mesh my, like my style of teaching with, with that, which I, I think I can do. I think I know enough about how to adjust curriculum to fit my style that I, I feel okay about it. The school you're teaching, is that uh, in an area of affluence or is it an impoverished area? It is. Um, it's it's pretty inner city, I would say, would be the okay. best way to describe it, which is a new, that's new for me. I've never like taught in that area, in an area like that before. And... I just think it will be a good change. I think I was looking in the city for jobs because I could just teach where my parents live, which is a very affluent area, and it would be exactly the same as where I was. But I think mm-hmm. I 
partially was kind of over that scene. I think I need something a little different. I feel like where I was, the kids didn't really need me as much. You know, mm. like they've got a thousand people in their life, like rooting them on and telling them they're great and giving them everything they would ever want. And so it was like, I don't really, I guess I just didn't feel like I was making that much of a difference. I was just kind of like another great teacher in this lineup of great teachers that they would have. And I kind of feel like I wanted to work in the city where maybe the kids, maybe they don't have a bunch of people at home telling them they're great and wanting to help them with their problems. And I felt like, or they do, but they, you know, don't necessarily have the, um, the time or the means, or even in some cases, the language uh, to, to deliver the same, you know, I, People who are uh, of affluence, they, of course, you know, will have terrible parents as well sure. or absent absent parents. Absolutely. Uh, things like that. And then, you know, you go into uh, uh, lower socioeconomic and you can still have amazing parents. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a big uh, – coming from uh, – I, I worked in a school of affluence at one point and I worked – uh, in an inner city school and, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's definitely, um, more of it's, it's funny. There's more of a trust that I found mm-hmm. that parents give to mm-hmm. the teachers yeah. in a lower socioeconomic area. And mm-hmm. I think it's more of, you know, I'm doing my best with my kids at home right? and I am trusting that you will do your best with my kids yes. uh, when they are with and I trust totally. you with that. And, you know, if there's anything wrong, you let me know, but I yeah. trust you. Whereas in a school of affluence, there's a tendency to have, uh, or a greater percentage of teachers, or uh, there's a greater percentage of parents who immediately don't trust you or your credentials oh, or ever. your experience. Because you're yeah. just a teacher. All you have is your bachelor's maybe. And they're fancy. I mean, people. even even if even if you have your masters, it's just more of, you know, we are successful and we demand success out of all of you mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, whether it's a private school or a public school that has a very involved and very well financially backed parent, uh, you know, organization, mm-hmm. there's an immediate sense of just I'm watching you. Just yes. you know that kind of oh thing. My God. Whereas, whereas you know, and again, in the in the in a school uh, with lower socioeconomic so lower socioeconomic status, uh, there tends to be a lot more trust and mm-hmm. uh, immediate uh, acceptance of you, which is a really wonderful feeling. But it's also one of those things that you feel like then the pressure is also on you because you can't let them down because it's it's you and you know that those parents are out there killing themselves to yeah. give their kid everything they can, right? Uh, because it doesn't come easily. And they're just letting you free with those kids. Totally. And I experienced that kind of when I taught in Gonzales because it's lower socioeconomic. So, and I know that I don't mean to say like the parents are totally absent and not with their kids, but I did feel like a lot of the time the parents were at work or they just like were doing things to like keep food on the table and keep a roof over their head so that they couldn't always be there emotionally or like with them, like helping them with their academics and stuff. And so I just kind of feel like I want to just be needed in a different way, I guess, if that makes any sense. Sure. So No, I totally understand. Um, So that's really exciting. And I 
if you would like, I'd love to have you back. Oh to, boy. Uh, talk about your Update. new experiences over there and see how <laughs> things know, are going. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Recurring guests. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm so honored. <laughs> so, uh, thus concludes the interview portion. Would you Ooh. like to play some games? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so uh, our first game is going to be a game called Guess the Betsy. And yes. the way it's going to work is I am going to read you a list of facts and you need to tell me which Betsy it is. Is it Betsy Ross, the famed seamstress uh, from the American Revolution? Mm-hmm. Or Betsy DeVos, the famed nightmare of public <laughs> education? Great. Can't wait. All right. So I'm going to put the timer on. And we will see how many. Oh, yes. And we're going to see how many you can get correct. Are you ready to play Guess Betsy? I'm ready to play Guess the Betsy. All right. We're going to start the timer and go. This Betsy came from a family of Quakers. Her father was an upholsterer. Betsy Ross. Correct. This Betsy came from a family of millionaires. Her father founded an auto supply business that was valued at over $1 billion. Uh, DeVos. Correct. Sadly, this Betsy's first husband, John Ross, was killed while on militia duty. She became a widow who worked night and day to keep her self-made company going on her own. That would be Ross. That is correct. This Betsy's brother, Eric Pence, founded Blackwater, a private security company that was embroiled in a 2007 scandal when its employees shot at Iraqi civilians, killing 17 and injuring 20. That was her brother? It was DeVos. Yeah, well, which brother? Who, which no, Betsy? That is correct. I'm shocked. That is correct. Next question. On January 1st, 1952, the U.S. Post Office issued a commemorative postage stamp to honor this 200, the 200th anniversary bicentennial of this Betsy's birth. Ross. That is correct. DeVos is not actually that old. In 1997, this Betsy wrote an op-ed stating, my family is the largest single contributor of soft money to the National to the National Republican Party. I have decided, however, to stop taking offense at the suggestion that we are buying influence. Now I simply concede the point. Oh, wow, DeVos. That is true. That is a horrible thing to say, and she's a horrible person. Next question. Through perseverance, passion, and patriotism, legend has it that this Betsy sewed the first American flag in 1776. Ross. Correct. And final question. Through deregulation, defunding, and overall dumbness, this Betsy (laughs) is currently dismantling the education system from within. I think it's DeVos. Correct. And that is it. Let's see what the score is. You got 100% all of them right. Congratulations. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. You won. Guess the Betsy. Oh. Oh I will. Uh, you will be getting a, uh, a commemorative flag pin in the mail. Oh, uh, but because it is Betsy DeVos's education, I'm going to ask a student to mail it to you. So good luck with that. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's great. What a great game. Okay, so our next game is true-false horror stories from teaching. Uh, This is going to seem a little bit like two truths and a lie. And the reason it's going to seem like that is because I totally stole from that game. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's what 90% of teaching is, is finding something that works and stealing it and making it your own. So uh, come at me. What were you talking about? The middle schoolers that made up that game like 50 years ago? (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm, I'm, yes, those kids who are now 50 years old, they need to come at me. Don't at me, just come at me. And uh, you can at me all you want. That's fine. Uh, so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to read you three stories related to students at school and their interactions with teachers. Two of these stories are 100% true. One of them is completely 100% a lie. You need to identify which is the lie. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Story number one. A high school student would not get off her phone despite multiple pleas and warnings from her teacher. Finally, fed up, the teacher told her to give him her phone, to which she replied, no, you can send me to the office if you want, but I'm not giving you my phone because I made a promise to God. Oh. I promised God that I wouldn't give anyone my phone and I never break promises oh. to God. Oh. And apparently the assistant principal was God because she gave her the phone within minutes. All right. <laughs> Story number two. A middle school student approached his teacher and asked, did you gain weight recently? When the teacher sheepishly admitted to gaining a few pounds over the holiday break, the student replied earnestly, yeah, I could tell. <laughs> the student then walked away and said nothing else. <laughs> and the third story, an elementary school student was asked to be the line leader for the week. The teacher explained that the line leader was an important job because all, the, all of the other students would follow the line leader all week. The next day, the teacher came to school and received multiple parent emails asking why their child was required to have an Instagram account for the week because apparently the line leader had told all her peers that they needed to follow her on Instagram all week. So, which of these three stories is not a real horror story from teaching? I, is it A, okay. the high school student who wouldn't get off her phone because she made a promise to God? <laughs> B, the middle school student who essentially called their teacher fat for no reason and then walked away. And then three, the elementary school student who was obsessed with gaining Instagram followers. I mean, I pray that it's C. I just think that, well, first of all, elementary school students should not be on Instagram because it's illegal because you have to be 13 to have an Instagram account. But also like that's just like a sad state of affairs if, our, if that's what elementary school kids are obsessed with. You just won the first Yay! ever horror stories from teaching. <laughs> Correct. Hooray. Story C is completely fun. But sadly, stories <laughs> one and two are 100% true. 100% true. Unbelievable. Oh, man, kids really do say the darndest things and like the most hurtful. They, they really do. And they like have no idea that what there's, there's just no, no filter. They just, not at all. I thought it, so I'm going to share it. I'm just going to share it. Yeah. No big deal. When I was first pregnant, one of my first graders came up and patted my belly and goes, yeah, you're getting fatter. And then just walked away. <laughs> I was like, like yep. thanks, girl. Verdict's in. <laughs> I'm a, I agree with all of my peers. We've been talking about it, and I just had to verify. <laughs> yep. But like with the contact, just like patting yeah, it, like, mm -hmm, here we are. Okay, so our next game. This will be fun. Okay. WTF are the kids saying oh, these days? Boy. The answer is I don't know. No idea. No. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you a phrase. Okay. Or a word that the kids are saying. 
and then I'd like you to use it in a sentence. Oh, no. <laughs> it really should be called like so, old, lady, <laughs> old lady talk. <laughs> so uh, a phrase that has been going around a lot these days is catch a case. As in, you don't want to be charged with a crime by the police or another authority figure. Don't be afraid to use this in a sentence in any context you will, because you probably won't be wrong. Wait, sorry. <laughs> Wait, I'm so confused. Don't catch a case. <laughs> don't catch a case. But did you give me the real definition? You don't want to catch a case. Yeah, but did you give me the real that definition? That is the real definition. Or did you give me the kid's the definition, definition? No, no, this is the definition. This is the kid's definition. The kid's definition has to do with police? Or another authority figure. So like... For example... Okay, yeah, I'm going to need an example. For example, a student is really mad that a teacher gave him a bad grade yeah. and is telling all of his friends, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to say something. I'm going to tell the teacher you know, that she needs to change my grade, blah, 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 blah. And one of the friends turns to him and says, don't catch a case. Oh, boy. Hmm. Yeah. That seems so odd to me, and I don't even understand why that makes sense to them to say. So, hmm. So, like, if I'm a teen, <laughs> I already sound 100. So, if I'm a teen and I'm like, I, I would wait. Be, if I'm a young whippersnapper. But no, if I would like youth. very much for you to use this in an adult sentence like okay. as an adult as what an is adult? the situation in which you oh my catch well because okay then <laughs> if I okay let's just say then that I'm a teacher and my principal walks in and I maybe my kids are doing silent reading and I'm like organizing my binders when I should be like conferring with them while they're silent reading and then I have to go talk to her in her office and I don't want to catch a case when I go talk to her is that what it's used? <laughs> this is why I love this game. This is awful. Because there is no way <laughs> there's no way that you cannot sound a million years old. I hate this game. By trying to use Yeah. Oh my god. This is, this is so great. <laughs> I really should just rename this game Wanna Feel a Thousand. Yeah, that's what it should be called. It should be called like Did You Think You Were 30? Because you're not because <laughs> you're a hundred. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And thus concludes our first oh, ever game of right. where did my youth go? <laughs> I will I'd like that phrase to burn forever. <laughs> okay, so our next game. It's not really a game. It's just more of an okay, opportunity. Great. It's a game we call okay. Just Let It Out. We as teachers have so very few people that we can just let out our frustrations to. So I'm gonna give you this chance in the vast, empty landscape of my budding podcast audience okay. <laughs> to just let it out. Okay. Whatever you got. It could be within education or not. Oh it could boy. be something that you're really annoyed about that you saw on TV. Mm. But I'm giving you the opportunity to just let it out. All right. Well, I... D I you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I was already ready. Go for it. Okay, great. Just let it sure, out. Sure, sure, sure. So first of all, <laughs> before ready. we go into education, I would like Trader Joe's employees to stop talking to me about my grocery purchases. I highly suspect that someone at Trader Joe's, some like big wig at Trader Joe's is forcing cashiers to talk to their patrons about what they're buying. 
I don't want it. Please don't pick something up that I'm purchasing and try to like engage me in a, in a fun conversation about it. I don't want it. I want to pay for my groceries and I want to leave and I don't want to interact with you. That is not what I plan to talk about, but I feel like if I'm letting things out, that's like number one. Number two. Um, not only that, yes. but because I agree, yes. not um, only that though, uh, I, I also would very much not like to give a report on what I'm doing with my evening or my weekend <laughs> no. with the Trader Joe's people. No. I understand that it's like really nice pleasantries and why don't we just be a little nope. bit nicer to each other? Be nice like, to me by not talking to me. Isolated world. And I, like I get all that, the isolating world, but I'm like, I am decompressing from work. And when you say, hey, got any big plans for the evening? I'm like, no, I'm going to microwave this little frozen burrito I just bought from you. <laughs> And then I'm going to grade papers and go to bed and do it all over again tomorrow. Thanks for or asking wanna, about my sad uh, night. Or I want to be like, hey, do you see that wild child that's uh, like drawing on the walls in the coloring center over there at the Trader Joe's? Yeah, that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm dealing with all of that. So like bag up those groceries and let's get out of here, please. And thank you. Oh, bless Trader Joe's. I'm going to share with you a horror story of mine from Trader Joe's that I have not shared with oh anyone my but my oh wife. Oh, my God. Uh, and every time, and every time I walk into a Trader Joe's, I have a slight PTSD <laughs> about this. So, uh, one of the first times I went into a Trader Joe's, I saw a sign that asked, uh, it said, find Jose. Okay. Um, and I said, okay, I will find Jose. And they said, and you can get a prize. <laughs> I said, okay. Sure. So I'm walking through the store and I'm just like doing my thing, but I'm looking around and Sure enough, right on top of one of the end caps of the aisle was a little doll in a sombrero <laughs> with the name tag that said Jose. And I was like, found it. Got it. That was way too easy. And I finished my shopping and I walked up to the cashier and they said, anything else for you? And I said, actually, uh, I found Jose. He's right over there. And he said, okay. And I said, the sign says you get a prize. And they were like, we have stickers or lollipops. And I was like, no, that's a dumb prize, whatever. I don't need any of that. That's stupid. And then I left. And as I left, I looked back at the sign and it started with, hey, kids, find Jose and ask for a prize. And I totally didn't see the hey, kids part. And this, I imagine this cashier just went home that day and was like, I don't know how I should have handled that situation. He seemed like an actual adult, but he may have had special needs. And I just very dismissively told him we had stickers and lollipops and he seemed so embarrassed that he didn't ask for it, but maybe I should have just given it to him. Oh my God. That's the best. And that, and I relive that experience every time I walk into Trader Joe's. I'm like, don't look for Jose. Don't look for Jose. Don't tell anyone. No, but what a good... Don't tell him. Every once in a while, I'll still see him and I go... And every time I see him, I go, oh, God. Read all of <laughs> well, the signs. Or just like read all the... Hey, kids. <laughs> read all the directions because no children ever read, read the, the directions. top of uh, the directions. I, they only skip to the I bottom know. of the directions. And it was so painfully obvious. It was <laughs> like larger than the rest of the text. Hey, kids. And I just completely had a blind You just saw heart. prize. Anyway, that was me letting it no, out. No, thank you. That was me thank letting it out. Go oh my gosh, thank you. First of all, thank you for that gift to the pod <laughs> class audience. Um, no, my one other thing, if it had to be, if it has to if do with education, and especially because it's summer, 
I just really feel like teachers need a better PR person. I don't know who I speak to about this. I don't know if it's I go straight to Betsy DeVos or do I get one of her underlings. We just need a better PR person about summer. Fun fact, you actually cannot go straight to Betsy DeVos. You have to answer three oh riddles. That's you have to answer three riddles and, and make way. a blood sacrifice. The only way to get to Betsy DeVos. <laughs> Take one of your best students, <laughs> lay him upon the altar. Oh, God. And Betsy DeVos will appear. Oh, no. But so whatever I have to do, I don't know. I'll do what I have to do. But really, just especially over the summer, we just need a better PR person that, like, goes out to the world and announces to the world, teachers are 10-month employees. Like, we get paid for 10 months of work. You think we're getting paid to go on vacation for two months? Like, are you serious? Do you think that the taxpayers would really go for paying our salary to go on vacation for two months? That's stupid. And if you think that teachers get two months off and are getting paid for that two months, you're stupid. And we just need someone out there that's like saying it nicer than me. Just like, hey, everybody, hey, could we not give teachers a hard time about being off for two months? Because guess what? Most of them have to go work two jobs to make up for that two months that they're not getting paid. And their kid is probably still having to go to daycare if they're under like school aged, whatever. So they still have to somehow put the money together for that for two months. And it's like, I just feel like that's not well publicized and I don't understand why and I don't understand why that's always the joke that goes to teachers of like when we get two months off huh it's just like no I don't what that's that's insane there's no career where you just get two months off and you're just like fine you have to work all right so you just have they just need to understand that we're still working my favorite <clears throat> part my favorite part about you just letting it all out is that your disclaimer that maybe the ad campaign shouldn't have the word <laughs> stupid in it. <laughs> like, hey, stupid. Listen, I know um, that but that's no, not I mean, my, no, I totally agree it's not with my, everything. My scene is not publicity, I'm aware. I totally, I totally agree. And I think, uh, you know, my biggest takeaway is all schools should be around. And that is the sound of all <laughs> of my students banging on my door trying to kill me. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I, I I would have no problem if we had uh, a full summer session where there was maybe like a week in, yeah, in the fine. middle uh, for the kids to go out and, you know, just uh, be sure. summer kids. Um, but no, I, I, I totally would have no problem. I, I, you know, but I'm also the same person that uh, thinks we should have that everyone, teachers and non-teachers should have four day work weeks because I think you can get just as much done in four days as you can five, but you can feel a well, lot better. I think people that work remotely for Google five. could probably tell you that because like um, where I live or where I used to live, like people did not go to work on Fridays. Traffic on Fridays was like non-existent in the morning because everyone works from home on Fridays. Like they go to work for four days and then on Friday they just work, they just work remotely. And that would be like a lovely schedule that I could very much get behind. All right. That was just let it out. I do feel feel better. better. You just let it out. Thank you. Congrats. All right, so we've had a wonderful interview, gotten to know you a bit more. Uh, we've played some fun games. So fun. Now it's about time to say goodbye, all right. sadly. So uh, I'm going to have you do what uh, all teachers uh, seem to do these days and in the past, uh, unless you're one of those, uh, I'm not into homework teachers, like, uh, well, me. <laughs> oh. But, you know, for the most part, we 
teachers give homework. And yeah. so what I would very much like for you to do is uh, give our listeners a slight homework assignment, sure. something that they can do between now and uh, next week when they come back and revisit the podcast. People, I must tell you, you all need to be watching. I need you to go to your Netflix. I need you to find the search button. It looks like a magnifying glass. I need you to then type into there, Queer Eye. And then I need you to just like get a box of tissues and watch all of the Queer Eye episodes on Netflix because they are transcendent. They're like the best TV. And I'm known for having terrible taste in TV because I watch all the trash. But this is legitimately like a heartwarming reality show where five nice men go into rural Georgia towns and just like make people's lives better. And they're always like everybody's always crying at the end because it's so heartwarming. And then you get to see you get like a lot of good like fashion tips and like good hair and skincare tips from watching it. It's just it's maybe the best show on television. And I'm I just need everyone else to be experiencing it with me and my husband who also watched it. Did you watch the original? No, because, well, listen. My parents are very nice people, but they're, they maybe like didn't really understand what it meant to be very accepting of people of all sexualities when I was younger. And I was not allowed to watch it when I was younger. Um, oh, but, I was going to ask, how does it compare? But What? Oh. I was going to ask how it compares. Yeah, I don't know. The, the, you know, the first show, the first show was, it was a monumental show and it was, Really, um, I think somebody in the new production of the show said it best that the first show uh, was all about uh, acceptance, mm-hmm. and this show is just sort of about um, normalization mm-hmm. and or something to that effect. Yeah, I see that. And what the only issue that I had with that first show is, as, as great as it was, you know, they would always give these guys, you know, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a cargo operator, crane operator mm-hmm. in a, you know, rural area. And, you know, I just, I need something that's better. And they're like, great, here are a pair of uh, skinny jeans with rhinestones <laughs> on the side. And we're going to tweeze your eyebrows and we're going to do all these things. And, and the, you know, the families always be like, oh my God, you look amazing. And I'm like, there is no way that this continues beyond the show. But those guys are sitting there like shaping their eyebrows and, you know, finding a replacement studded belt because the other one finally wore out. <laughs> I think so they do a pretty good That's my big question too, is that how how consistent do you think these people will I keep feel like these transformations? Fairly, I'm trying to think of like the ones that we just watched. I feel like maybe they're not going to keep their house like as immaculately clean as they are like when they first reveal the house to them. Or maybe they won't always, like, put their outfit together just right or they're not going to, like, gel their hair the way that Jonathan tells them to gel their hair. But I think in general they're pretty mindful of, like, who these people are and what they can keep up with and what they might not. Like, when they're picking clothes, I feel like Tan picks clothes for them that, like, they would be able to wear afterwards. Like he doesn't go, it's not like <laughs> skinny jeans with rhinestones. I feel like he really does pick things for them that like, it's what they thought they were wearing, but it's just like, it's actually not what they're, it's like what they thought they were wearing, but better. <laughs> so I think they do a pretty good job of nice. making it real, but I don't know. I, I think they need to do follow-up episodes so that we can see. There's a really cool 
show on Netflix as well that I could also assign as extra credit uh, called Grand Designs. If you are interested in really, really good home makeover slash building show, it's like imagine HGTV uh, without all of the silliness. But it's like, man, the Brits, like they are a patient group (laughs) of people. Like one episode can span like three to five years. Oh my God. Are you serious? And the host keeps coming back. These people are building their dream house. Holy cow. And they'll be like, it's been, it's been 18 months since they first began to break ground. And then let's, I'm just like, Jesus. That's so long. Uh, But it is, it, it is fascinating. It is a great show. I'm into it. But I will definitely go and check out Queer Eye on Netflix. Yep. And uh, thank you for the homework assignment. And uh, if you want some extra credit, check out Grand Designs. They have, I believe, four seasons. Oh my God, plenty. It's a really great morning show. Um, That was what I did all summer last year. I just plowed through two seasons of morning shows. It was just wonderful. I had my theme song and I was like, ah, it's morning. I got my tea. I got my theme song. You're so into tea. I got these crazy people. Oh, I am... So into I can't, tea. I think you're it's gonna have to like thing. Act- tell me, teach me about tea or something because I just like I think it's so gross that I don't under. I think I'm doing something wrong with tea. I've tried. Yes, you are missing out, I've and tried. I will. We will definitely have okay. a conversation about tea. Sure. Uh, we'll definitely have a conversation about tea. Great. Uh, well, thank you so thank much you. for doing this. Mm. I appreciate it, and uh, everyone should uh, check out Jenna on her podcast, The Teacher's Lounge Pod, and on Instagram at The Teacher's Lounge Pod. Anything else you want to plug no, that I missed fine. out? Um, when you search my show on iTunes or wherever, it's uh, The Teacher's Lounge with Mrs. G. Otherwise, you'll end up with a oh, very yes. funny UCB podcast um, that's like an improv about a teacher's lounge, which is also very funny, but not me. So look up um, The Teacher's Lounge with Mrs. G. Teacher's Lounge with Mrs. Yes. G. I will uh, do my best to edit out what, the previous fine. mistake. No, but if you're hearing this and it's left in, it's because <laughs> I'm not very good at editing yet. Um, but thank you again. This thank was you. such a blast. Look uh, forward to talking to you soon about some tea. All right. Goodbye. Okay, okay, that's our show. First one in the books. Thanks again to Jenna Gonzalez for being an amazing first guest. And of course, thanks to you all for listening. If you wouldn't mind, please go right to the podcast homepage on Apple Podcasts and give my show a five-star rating, even if you only think it deserves a three at best. Of course, if you really like the show, maybe add a comment about what you love the most. I'll make you a promise. If you post a comment about what you love the most, I'll make sure I do more of whatever that is. Ugh, was that too desperate? Let me try that again. Do me a favor. Leave a comment. Whatevs. Okay, maybe that was too aloof. The point is, this podcast is free, and not only do I appreciate your feedback, but the more comments and stars I get, the more likely this show will get more subscribers than a podcast called The History of Pirates. Seriously, how is that in the top 50 of education podcasts? This is a low bar, people. I need you to help me get over it. Okay, one last thing. I'll be posting hour-long interview shows, like the one you just listened to, every two weeks. But since this is a weekly show, in the weeks between interviews, I'll be doing 30-minute current events shows. So next week, I'll talk a bit about what's new in the world of education. I may or may not have to title the episode, Oh God, Now What Did Betsy DeVos Do? 
We'll see. That's all for this week. Podcast dismissed. <laughs>